welcome back. We are on episode eight of Hedging Happiness. What a good week it was in week seven. This episode, we're going to do a little week seven recap. As always, we'll have the week eight preview. This episode, we're going to have guest Mark Mishu, brother of Luke, on the pod. We're going to give our week eight picks. And then, as always, we're going to do a snake draft this week. It's going to be best movies. So that's going to be another contentious draft as the last few have have been. And yeah, let's get started with week seven recap. Luke, why don't you start us off with Kentucky at number one, Georgia? Yeah, so I watched this game live and look, Georgia, we, we said last week Georgia was going to crush Kentucky. It was just a matter of was it 20, was it 30, and it ended up being a late cover thanks to Mark Stoops. But as I watch this Georgia team, you start to see how they go about winning games for right now at least. They are going to play great defense and wear you down on offense. And I am very curious to see when they run into a fully tuned, high-powered offense late in the season, what that means. Right now, they are always playing from ahead. No one has put them in a hole. They've been able to run defenses down. They haven't had to really air it out. Granted, they might be able to. They may have no problem playing from behind. But my takeaway from this game, and as I keep watching Georgia, is what happens when they do play an Alabama or, crossing my fingers, an Oklahoma. And they can't just, they can't just rely on their defense and, and score 20, somewhere between 20 and 30 points. Yeah, so Georgia, to me, and this could be a little bit of a far-fetched take, but if I compare them to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know we don't talk about NFL on the pod, but if I can compare them to the Kansas City Chiefs, I feel like when teams play them, it's like the complete opposite of playing the Chiefs, where when the Chiefs get the ball, it feels like the Chiefs have to score every single possession to win the game. And with Georgia, teams can't score. So when the Chiefs can't score on every single possession I feel like that gets to them mentally whereas I think it does the same with the teams that play against Georgia they go one drive three and out and the next drive maybe they get 15 yards punt and I think like you said that wears on the psyche and the mental state of a team and especially that team's defense because that team's defense almost has to say we have to stop Georgia every single drive because our offense isn't going to score And that is extremely, extremely hard to do. It's a very hard task to ask an opposing college defense to do because in college there are so many points that are being scored, but not when teams play Georgia. And I think that's a really hard thing to overcome. If I'm looking at the rest of Georgia's schedule, they play Florida, Missouri, at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and at Georgia Tech. They're not really getting tested by a powerhouse offense. I would say powerhouse offenses in the SEC. Maybe you could say Tennessee, but they have their own issues right now. You could say Ole Miss. You could say When you look at the game, Ole Miss plays against Bama and they struggle mightily. So it's like is Ole Miss a really good offense or do they just perform really well against mediocre to above average teams? 
It's totally fair. I just want to see Georgia. The first time we see Georgia play a real offense is going to be in the SEC championship. And if I'm Georgia, I kind of wish I would have been tested. My defense would have been tested a little bit earlier. And I wish a little bit of pressure would have been put on my offense. Because what happens when Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels are they're down with three minutes to go? Like They're not used to that situation. And I'm I, granted, that is like the most ridiculous take ever like you do not want to be down with three minutes to go in a football game if you're Georgia like that's a great problem to not have but it does tune you up for those games like the college football playoff like the SEC championship and I think that point is a point that's being made to try to find something wrong with Georgia and it's a hypothetical which is how good Georgia has been it's a hypothetical scenario of well, this might be their weakness if they somehow get down into a game against a really good. It's, you know, it's 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 a little far fetched because they haven't done it yet. The only chance we're saying that it might happen is in the SEC championship. But again, that's kind of like a devil's advocate to tr- like what is wrong with Georgia. This is what's wrong with Georgia, and you're kind of scratching like you're you're trying to grab something out of thin air that might not even be there. But it's a good point. Completely it's a agree. fair point, though. Uh, the next, we've got two games here. I'll go through these games relatively quick just because I don't think they really mean too much in the grand scheme of this college football season anymore. And I'll get to it. The first one is number 12, Oklahoma State, at number 25, Texas. This game is really about Oklahoma State at this point. Texas is out. They're out of the picture now. They're probably out of the Big 12 championship considerations with two losses now. For Oklahoma State, this is back-to-back wins against top 25 teams. They beat, I think, number 21, Baylor, last week. They dropped out of the top 25. Then they had a big win against BYU that was relatively convincing. But I don't know. Something's fishy about this Oklahoma State team. I don't know if it's because they're flying under the radar. It's a team that I've only really watched one time play one game. And what I've come away with this team, it's a completely different Oklahoma State team than years past. We're used to Mike Gundy's teams scoring a bunch of points, being very competitive offense, just like we know what the Big 12 can do. But this team has a pretty solid defense. In fact, they haven't given up more than 24 points all year. And that's an impressive stat in the Big 12, especially when you play an offensive wizard like Sarkeesian. Last week, you know, against Texas, they went down early. They clawed their way back. They showed that they can overcome some adverse adversity, but something's fishy. And we'll get to this later on in the show, but they're seven point underdogs against Iowa State this week. So to me, something doesn't add up. You're the number eight team in the country playing an unranked opponent and you're seven point underdogs. I don't know. Doesn't add up. The next game I'll touch on really quick is Purdue at number two, Iowa. Or was it at Purdue? It was at Purdue. And my takeaway, I've got two takeaways. First, if you're a top three team playing mid of the middle of the year to late in the year, you don't want to go play at Purdue. I feel like they always come up with a crazy upset against the Big Ten. You know, we saw them beat Ohio State a couple years ago. I feel like they're always capable of pulling off a huge upset as an unranked team. And it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a tough place to play, but I feel like every two, three years we get something like this where 
a top three team goes to Purdue and they lose. And then my other takeaway is more about Iowa. After that Penn State game, even though they won, it almost felt like the writing was on the wall. They did not, they shouldn't have won that game. They only won, like we said, Clifford went out, the starting quarterback for Penn State, went out to injury. They came back and win that, won that game. But, the, yeah, like I said, the writing was on the wall. They are not, they might be a top 10 team. They are not a top three team, top four team. Their offense, and it, it became apparent, I think in the Penn State game, it became very apparent, their offense wasn't good enough to lead them through the season undefeated. Like eventually their defense was going to slip and the offense needed to play. And you kind of had both fall at the same time. And you just, you can't, the defense, the defense basically let up and the offense couldn't make up for it. And, and, you know, they lost to Purdue. Now you're looking at their last five games, even though they're not playing a ranked opponent, they're all big 10 opponents. They could easily drop another one and maybe not even make the big, the big 10 championship game. So I think, Coming out of that game, it's now Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan um, as the teams that will probably represent the Big Ten if they get a team in the college football playoff. And if Iowa, Iowa's only chance, and this is this is what I this is my opinion, obviously, but I I think it's a very still going to be a very unlikely scenario. But they have to go obviously undefeated to get into the Big Ten championship, and then they would have to beat Ohio State by. 35 45 points and i I, why so bad because i think if they have one if they go and they beat ohio state i still don't think they're going to get in i still think it's going to be too crazy up there where they don't get in i think if oregon goes undefeated or for the rest of the year they'll put oregon ahead of a big 10 team i think that's big 10's worst case scenario where that that way they would not a one loss iowa one loss iowa would not get into the playoff with a loss to purdue I, that the way you're responding makes that seem like a hot take. That is a hot take. If they okay, beat and I Ohio, like it. If they beat Ohio State, they'll have beaten Penn State. Granted, a, Ohio a hurt State. Ohio State and or a hurt Penn State and a Ohio State team that seems to be surging. I don't see Oregon, even if they go undefeated, getting it. I think people have written off the Pac-12. I, I they're gonna. I think they'll lose, but I think even if they don't lose. All right, so 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 riddle me this then. Hypothetical, back to the last week, your top four teams. You want them? Georgia loses to Bama. No, Georgia loses to Bama in the SEC. Cincinnati and Oklahoma go undefeated. They don't get in. Yeah, I agree. Or, sorry, I think if, if Iowa beats Ohio State and Bama beats Georgia, it'll be Oklahoma, number one. It'll be... Cincinnati, Georgia, Bama. Cincinnati, Georgia, Bama. Yeah, I, for some reason, I I, agree, I said I didn't agree, but I agree that hey, when you look at Ohio State, a one-loss Ohio State team, they are way more likely to get in than a one-loss Iowa team, just just for, for eyeball purposes, right? It's like one-loss Notre Dame is more attractive than a one-loss, you know, most, most other teams. There is a little bit of, I'm sure, Money. They've got involved. the prestige. They've got the talent. They've got the the and history of being able to make it to a final to win a college football. Yes, playoff. they're not going to lay an egg, and I think that's something that's been happening. That if you're the college football playoff committee, you're really trying to avoid. Agreed. Well, that's the uh, that's our preview. 
we will go over our picks and this oh man have i been waiting to discuss our picks i'll let you go first give me a little bit more time to you know think about it let the audience think about how i did you yeah go you got about five minutes to enjoy your week seven picks before we shift into week eight mode for me i went two and one i got i would say i got Hey, congrats. Yes. Congrats. That's, That's a really good I think good I've week. strung a, a few winning weeks together now. It feels like I'm turning the corner. So I got I got lucky on Kentucky covering. You got lucky on the under in that game. Oklahoma is so back. They look they scored fifty two points. Yeah, they gave up thirty something. Like, who cares? Like, as long as Oklahoma's offense is humming, like I trust the defense for in a month and a half two months to like figure it out so i won oklahoma covering with caleb williams and then just heartbreak in knoxville yet again the vols couldn't pull out the win a lot of uh a lot of media all over this game for many reasons the littering of the field the poor sec decorating of the field yeah it was it was Hostile. For those for those who aren't aware, why don't you yeah. explain it? Because it was it was a scene. Tennessee had a, I believe it was a fourth and twenty-seven, and they throw the ball, and the guy is close, right? The guy is very close to making the first down. He like kind of stumbles and falls, and it's like, did his knee hit? Did it not hit? But where they spot the ball was so egregious. Like, I don't know if he got it. Let's, if I'm being honest, I don't know. And you can't tell. Like, if, if they spot the ball a first down, I don't think they can reverse it. And if they give him not a first down, I don't think they can reverse it. It's, like, very unclear. But the ref who spots the ball is at least 20 yards behind the play. And he spots it a full yard short of, like, where I think it's up for debate. And the, the student section goes nuts i mean it's like beer cans mustard bottles golf Golf balls balls. yeah and what i hate about it is that look like maybe it's a 200 people 300 people students that did this and now 100,000 get blamed and it's like a whatever asterisk i i don't it doesn't bother me that much what i really don't like is that lane kiffin gets all this media attention for picking up the golf ball and he gets all these interviews for being hostile environment. His team going through this adversity. It's like, bro, like, I, 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 I don't have time for it. Lane Kiffin's like a slime ball. But anyway, Tennessee seems like you're seems like you've definitely gotten over the fact that he left you guys a while <laughs> I, ago. Yeah, yeah. He. So the worst part about how this game ends is actually we didn't get the fourth down. They run it three times, three and out. We get the ball with like 30 seconds left. They punt it. We return it 40 yards to like the 50-yard line. I'm like, no way this is happening. We get down to maybe the 25, 20-yard line, but our quarterback gets hurt, and he has to come out. And he's like hurt, hurt. Like It's not like, oh, come out, go back in the next play. So we put in our awful sub. He throws the first pass. The guy, it hits his hands. Granted, it's like the top of his fingertips. Hits his hands. He doesn't catch it. We have three seconds left. And this is like the most unforgivable thing I've ever seen in my life. He snaps the ball. Obviously, every, all the receivers, everyone's in the end zone. Just throw it up. Like, Ole Miss is there. We're there. Like, just throw it up and give us a chance. He looks, he looks, he looks. He scrambles, and then he takes off running. And I'm like, okay, sh- like, 
he must see an opening or something. And he just scampers kind of out of bounds and the clock expires. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, give us a chance. So everyone hates him. I, I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know the health of our quarterback situation, but this guy is just has all the talent in the world. I think just doesn't have it upstairs and obviously didn't cover that game. I, cause I had Tennessee plus three and a half and they lost by five. So just a brutal, brutal day. Way to end the day. Tough loss for you to end, end your college football Saturday. Me, on the other hand, I'm going to keep this nice and short because I need all the good juju as possible. It's not like I'm on an absolute heater here, but I went 3-0. I beat, I won the Kentucky-Georgia under, Texas Tech in a cakewalk, and really the Tennessee Ole Miss under hit no problem. 3-0, our first sweep on Congrats, the pod. Congrats, sir. I'm honored, but I'm not going to gloat. I'm not going to gloat about it. I'm just going to say we're that's this is a building block. A building block for continued momentum going into week 8. And I'm excited about week 8. Let's get into week 8 with our week 8 preview. Uh let's go number 10 Oregon at UCLA. Yeah, so this week 8 is one of the duddier weeks in college football. I don't think we have a single ranked matchup. So it's it's, it's sort bad. of it's not great. Pick some rivalries to watch, pick some potentially interesting games from a dynasty standpoint is what is what we did. So we got number 10 Oregon at UCLA. Oregon 6 and 1, UCLA's 5 and 2. This was a game that we all circled. I remember with Mike, I believe, and then the week after we circled, we're like, oh my gosh, UCLA's back. Oregon could go undefeated. This could be a great game. It's clearly not that, but it's still interesting from Oregon's standpoint because they need to win out to have any shot at the college football playoff. But I also think it's interesting from UCLA's standpoint. Chip Kelly isn't doing anything there and getting paid a lot of money to not do anything. He's got... I believe one more year on his contract. And my question to you would be, is he on the hot seat? Yeah, I think so. I think it depends what he does. If he goes nine and three, I think they could agree to a, no, no, he's not on the hot seat. If he's got one more year, I was starting to think this out. Next year is the big year. Even if he has a really good year this year, finishes, wins out 10 and two. It all comes down to next year. He has to do another 10-2 and two season or a 9-3 and three season to get another deal. I agree. I think he's getting paid. I think it was 20... His deal in 2017 was like 20... Almost $25 million over five years. And that's a lot, right? To be totally irrelevant for those five years. Like, he's not even getting a sniff. And the conference is so bad. And you're in a recruiting hotbed in California. There And, and you're... You're hired because of your success at Oregon, and you're not doing anything. I think UCLA will move on, and this could be the end of the end of Chip the Chip Kelly era. Yeah, I can for sure see that. They haven't done really anything since he's been there. Next game is another rivalry: USC at number thirty. I don't wait. Is Oregon and UCLA even a rivalry? I feel like it's a. Maybe like a recent rivalry. When I think of just because I think of UCLA, USC. UCLA history. Yeah. 
UCLA, USC for sure. UCLA's got the history, and Oregon's got the recency of what's it's the Chip Kelly rivalry. We'll call it that. Chip Kelly rivalry. Anyways, this is a true rivalry game. It's USC at number thirteen, Notre Dame. I don't know. Like this game doesn't excite me as much as it would a normal USC Notre Dame game. If Notre Dame was still undefeated, then yeah, it would get me get my blood going a little bit. But I don't know. The preview here is. Again, we've been talking about it. Who's going to start at quarterback for Notre Dame? Last week or two weeks ago, it was Jack Cohn starts, doesn't really do well. Tyler Buckner comes in. He looks decent. He, he can make plays. He's capable of making really bad plays, but he made plays, got their offense going. Is Buckner the he freshman? He hurt. Jack Buckner is the freshman, and Drew Pine is the redshirt freshman. Got it. So Drew Pine is who they played all three. Pine is who came in against Wisconsin and looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's they're all over the place. They have three quarterbacks that have all played significant snaps. But again, who's going to play? I don't know. I I don't really care who plays. I would like to see the freshman play just to get him that experience, right? But for Notre Dame, as an optimistic fan, you have to look at it like this. As an optimistic fan that isn't over the moon optimistic where I've accepted the fact Notre Dame is probably not going to get into college football playoff unless pure do you happens. do you want this team to get to the college football playoff this year no not really however I like agree. as a fan yes you always want it right do you they would get spanked by whoever they play agreed but as a fan you want like that hope to get crushed at least in the first quarter still like you, you still want <laughs> the hope of being able to win the whole thing as you were getting to, though, like realistically, this is a great opportunity for Notre Dame to get to a New York uh, New Year's Six Bowl and win that. And I think a New Year's Six Bowl is a pretty big deal. They can say, all right, we weren't that great this past year, but we won a New Year's Six Bowl. That's some momentum to build on. Next year and the year after, we're going to get back to the college football playoff and we're actually going to compete this time. That's my take on it. I think, like, yeah, I think that would be best case scenario if they were to go and win a New Year's Six Bowl. Here's my question, and I, I asked this because t- Tennessee experienced something very similar. You have this fresh, like Jack Cohn. He's, I assume, he's leaving next year. Maybe he has a COVID year left, but clearly the freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, or the, the other freshmen, are the future of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. The rest of Notre Dame's schedule is not tough you're not a team that's going to win a national championship. And that is always the bar for Notre Dame. Why not get these freshmen in and find out who your guy is and figure it out in these next five or six games? I get it, like New Year's Six Bowl, but if you're Brian Kelly, you're saying we didn't have hopes for national championship or probably even New Year's Six this year. Our schedule just kind of fell out to be really, really easy. Let's figure out who our guy is so when we do have a team to surround him, we're ready to go. Yeah, I can see that. They're the only opposite side of that is if they, if Brian Kelly really thinks if he starts one of these other guys that they'll lose four more games, which I don't think is likely. But I, I think, like you said, you have to give them a chance to see what they can do. Yeah. The next one we have is Clemson at number 23, Pitt. Clemson's 4-2 and two, and Pitt is 5-1. and one. For me, this game is all about Clemson. This is 
Clemson's a three-point underdog here at Pitt. And I'm curious to know when the last time they were an underdog. Except they were, yeah, they were favored against Georgia this start of the year. I'm curious when the last time they were an underdog. It's got to be against LSU. I th- I know. They were. They were like five and a half point underdogs in the championship. Yep. Good call. Yep. Clemson is in a very tricky spot, in my opinion, because it's not like, let's say Georgia, like, you know, craps the bed and, you know, loses in the SEC championship, somehow doesn't make the college football playoff and has two or three losses. Like, let's just say that happens. You're not worried about Georgia because when you look at their recruiting classes, they're just, they have guys in the wings ready to go. Like, they will reload next year. They're not, they're never rebuilding. Bama is never rebuilding. If Clemson has a, if Clemson loses a couple more games, doesn't make, doesn't win the ACC, maybe doesn't make the the ACC championship. I think that's probable, actually. You'll see, I think you'll see their recruiting for the 2022 class take a serious dip. In addition to that, they're in the SEC region. You have Texas, Oklahoma joining. They're in a bad ACC conference, which they can't even win. Their prior classes, they're top 10, but I mean, Tennessee had top 10 classes. I don't, there are a ton of teams that you would be surprised have top 10 classes and don't compete. If Clemson has a really bad season and it affects their recruiting for next year, it, it snowballs, right? And suddenly they find themselves out of the conversation and very quickly part of this ACC, you know, mediocrity. And they looked not good. They've ne- they haven't looked good all year. But they didn't look good against Georgia. But I don't think anyone expected them to look this bad throughout six games. It's they haven't had one game where you can be you can come away from that game and be like, ah, okay, that's the Clemson that we expected. That's the Clemson that we know. They've looked horrible all year. It's the three point underdog. Pitt has a very Pitt's one loss is very weird. It's like Western Michigan, right? It doesn't make any sense. They haven't really played a ton of people, but they put up points, and this Clemson team does not. So I'm very, I don't want to, because of what you just said, like eventually Clemson's going to click and they're going to crush a good team or compete with a really good team or crush a mediocre team that shouldn't be in the game with them. But we keep waiting for that to happen, and it's not happening. And it makes me think, man, like this is an opportunity to jump on pit, and it could be very stress-free game. It's kind of similar to Oklahoma, where like you've been waiting for Oklahoma to figure it out. The only difference is the last couple of weeks, especially with the new quarterback, Oklahoma maybe has figured it out. Also, they haven't lost. Oklahoma hasn't, and that's the difference. If you're trying to figure it out while you haven't lost, it's a huge difference than losing to Georgia in an ugly game and NC State and then playing a really, really tight game as a 14-point favorite against Syracuse last week. Things just don't look good for their program this year. And will it affect? Will it be a domino effect for years to come? We will see. I think that's our Week 8 preview, though. Next up, we have our guest segment with Mark Mishu. This week, we're tapping back into the family well for guests with my brother, Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
It it appears that you have decided to bring a plus one. So did this is uh, my fiance, Bridget, Bridget Hodan, soon to be Bridget Mishu. Thanks for having me, brother. <laughs> I uh, I like to joke and call Luke my brother since he'll be my brother-in-law. <laughs> Thank good. Thanks no for problem, explaining brother. that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of a joke. But... So. I will say the timing of having Mark and Bridget on is not a coincidence. Mark has been saying that he has a, a an amazing segment planned for how to bet in a relationship. And we thought that at this point in the season, bankrolls are starting to wear thin. You're trying to tap back into the checking account. Accusations are being made. The A word, addicted, is being thrown around haphazardly. And, and we thought we could provide, or Mark thought he could provide, uh, a roadmap to navigate potential landmines when gambling in a relationship. So I'll, I'll kick it over to Mark to, to sort of give us a, a prelude into, into the best things to do it. All right. Uh, funny you say the word, the A word, because... Uh... I was recently told, literally yesterday, that I have a very addictive personality, which doesn't sound like a compliment at all. Uh, but I think that all stemmed from her seeing my gambling habits early on in the relationship. And I think I made the mistake on early was that I tried to hide them. Uh, and that was a mistake because eventually the truth comes out she sees the you know the group thread talking about spreads and money and then she starts uh, probing and asking questions and then you go to stage two in the relationship you stop hiding but you start minimizing so instead of telling her how much i was betting i would divide that in half or quarter that and then tell her ah no don't worry about it it was just 25 dollars when in fact i was you know much more than that and you know I, at the time I was a med student living off government loans so money wasn't a real thing for me it was like this intangible you know what is money it's just a social construct and so I was betting a little bit more than I should have but you know and then I moved on to stage three which was I told her you know every time I would bet and I think the big lesson I learned was you know include her in the bets tell her what I'm doing get her excited for the games and I think now she can cheer with me. And, you know, I just had a really good weekend last weekend. I don't want to brag, but your boy went 5-0. and uh, two, two preset bets, three uh, live lines. But, uh, but no, she was texting me throughout all those games saying, you know, we're rich, honey, you know, as we're going up 5-0. and So that's kind of the transition the, the betting relationship has been the past, like, two or three years. Well, I'll tell you right now that your first mistake was coming onto the podcast after a hot week because this podcast will ground you very quick. The no ultimate matter, cooler. No matter how hot you are, you're going to get grounded because we are cursed. <laughs> Luke and I are getting out of the curse currently, but the guests have not found that, you know, that week to get them out. So good luck to you with this week, but I'm sorry. It's a bad, bad time to come in and start bragging about your bets when you come on this podcast. <laughs> I know, it's, it's dangerous. And I, honestly, I did not like any games this week. But I was forced, you know, you're forced to put something down. Hedging. He's already hedging. I'm not He's hedging. hedging these picks. I'm he I'm, after I looked at it again, I was like, I'm loving these. 
and I was in the shower, and this is what I'm talking about. I'm in the shower three minutes ago, and Bridget's shouting out lines from the bathroom. She goes, I don't know if I like this. Like, I don't, I don't like any of these games. I'm like, I agreed, honey, agreed. Bridget, and, and, and Mark, I guess, how do you, because the bankroll is obviously the biggest point of contention. How do you both navigate the bankroll discussion? I'll take this one. So, uh, <laughs> I think what we've done, and this is kind of our first year feeling like, okay, it it truly impacts us both since we're engaged and, you know, you're eventually going to be combining bank accounts, but we come up with a dollar amount that Mark and I are both comfortable losing. And I think what Mark did, which I hate to be giving all these guys this valuable advice here, but... um, he came to me and was like, you know, betting for me is um, kind of like an expense that I would maybe, you know, myself use in other aspects. And so it was like, at first I was super anti, like, why are you betting? It's just throwing away money. But then he came to me and he was like, it's kind of like my entertainment cost for the fall or um, this part of the year, whereas like I might go get my hair done and my nails done and buy myself something um, nice from Reformation and you know that's like equates the amounts that Mark is willing to lose for his entertainment value and, and so it's I, not even a guaranteed loss it's like going to yeah. get your hair done and at the end your barber is like 50-50 chance you're gonna double your money here F- hell yeah like are you kidding me it's so much better like, it's, it's the best form it's the best way to spend your money in my mind like there's no other better way or the worst way in my mind because it's just like I'm the unluckiest gambler ever. So I just lived through Mark's bets, but I have a horrible track record. Whether it's a casino, I'm just a black hole. So for me, it's like I don't find the entertainment in it, but I can see why Mark does. And it's like fun for me because it's not necessarily on me whether we win or lose, but we have an agreed. <laughs> it's always on you when we win. Yeah, exactly. And then when we lose, it's I told you not to take that one. Exactly. <laughs> That's the way it works. And so, how do you how do you logistically navigate that? Is it you deposit all the whole bankroll into FanDuel week one, and then if it's gone, it's gone, or is it a little bit muddier than that? Because I myself have found a way to muddy the waters significantly <laughs> to where I don't even know what my bankroll is. It's very. It's, I'll tell you what. It's gotten a little muddy because what happened was we didn't have the the budget conversation until I placed that huge preseason. Georgia plus ten and a half wins, and so I negotiated my budget, and then I go, ha, that's my budget, and I have two fifty on on Georgia ten and a half. Yeah, but you're talking to someone who is extremely uh, budget oriented, so it's like I I keep an idea and I follow along weekend to weekend. So usually, if we lose a little, hopefully we'll be even the next weekend or up even. So uh, luckily, we've been doing all right this year. The best thing that ever happened to me was living in Illinois where FanDuel is allowed and betting for people where like it's not allowed because what happens is there's so much activity through the checking account that there is no way my fiance can track it. So like I tell her I'm done betting and all these transactions are going on and she I'm like, "Oh, it's it's Beasler, it's whoever." And and she's like, oh, okay. But meanwhile, I'm, you know, expanding the bankroll, trying to get back to even. 
Yeah, that's a really smart thing to put on tape here because, yeah. you know, she definitely won't hear that. You just blew your cover. She doesn't listen to this. I don't song. even know what the answer is, though. I can't even be guilty. Can you be guilty yeah, for a crime? Yeah, you no, know? you're right. You know what? Now that you said it out loud, you're, you're reminding yourself that it, none of it is you. It's, it's definitely all the other people. It's a reassuring statement that you're done. You're done with your gambling. I could potentially pay the consequences for this. <laughs> I think a dangerous stage. I'm just trying to educate. I think a dangerous stage that we've yet to face as a newly engaged couple is I've never had the experience of being out of my budget, my bankroll. And I imagine being out mid-year is I'm going to be little like what's that what's the what's the English little boy's name? Uh, not Tiny Tim. It's a little Oliver Twist. Please, sir, please, a little more. I'm going to be begging. It's like, I, I just can't even imagine right now. Because there's a chance I could have been, you know, out of my bank right now. Oh, my God. That would ruin the whole year. That would ruin, that would suck. So, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. It's, a, it's an interesting dynamic because I'm, since of, as of last week, I recently got engaged myself. And th by the way, thanks, Luke, for letting everybody know last week that I got engaged. I didn't want to, you know, congratulate myself, but we went a whole episode and you didn't say a word, <laughs> so that was really nice of you. I really do appreciate that. But now it's my time to, you know, it, it's been a week and, you know, maybe I got a little bit of stick for not mentioning anything, but I didn't want to be pompous <laughs> with this whole thing. So, but I'm going to say it now. I got engaged. Congrats to me. Congrats to my fiance, Delia. But now I'm going through that same thing. And she... She really gives me a pretty long leash with everything, but more on my end, it's I've realized, all right, you've got some expenses coming up. You just had a pretty big expense. All of my wage, my size of my bets have just decreased like a fair amount because I'm in saving mode, yet I don't want to be out of the game completely, so I still need a little bit of the action, and it is a... I don't know when when does that change if, if i get on a really cold streak what am i going to be betting like pennies for the next couple games to get it get some action or if i get hot am i going to be like ah i'm hot i don't need to save because i'm making so much money it's a it's a predicament i think the only way to enjoy it is if you if you you have to, you you have to bet no you have to bet <laughs> yes but no it's not even if you win you have to win the right amount and you, and like that, and that means you'd have to lose the right amount. It has to hurt, because the only way it feels good to win is if it hurts to lose. That's like some what is that? I, I just made it. I was just on the spot, man. I'm telling you what. Yeah, that's like, I'm Socrates. Yeah, that, it's gotta hurt to lose. I, it's, oh, my, you should write a book. <laughs> that was impressive. I just came up with that. <laughs> I do think I do think you can like set a. You can set a bankroll number, right? Like, let's say you agree it's a I thousand bucks. I think you have buck. to do that. Well, I think you, you have do. to do that. You, you can, but if that is not actually where you feel it, then you're going to expand the bankroll. It's not until, like, I've had seasons where you feel it. You're like, shoot, I have lost maybe too much money. I can, and, and then games become unattractive. Like, gambling becomes unattractive, right? Even even if you give it a couple weeks, and that's and it's very blurry though. Like when you just, I couldn't tell my fiance, hey, it's a feeling. That's how much money I want to lose, right? It's not a good good position. 
You know what I did? Slippery I, slope, my friend. I Slippery slope when you play that game. That's from Daddy Big Bucks over there. <laughs> that's from Recap. Yeah, that's on banking on Recap. I'm hitting in a couple months here. If Recap stock goes up, my 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 uh, unit size gets way bigger. You know how I think of it? I I calculated out my daily salary. So I calculated my salary, and then I calculated out what I earned daily. And I was like... Hopefully after tax. <laughs> after tax. I'm not sharing dollar amounts with the crowd. Everyone's going to be Venmoing because they feel bad for me. <laughs> but I calculate my daily salary. And then I was like, oh, man. It would hurt to lose a whole day's salary. So I was like, I can't. I don't know if I can bet more than that on, like, a couple games or two or game three games. I was like, all right. So I got to keep it below a day's, day's work because a day's work sucks. You're your whole bankroll has to be below, or your no, daily like loss. My has to be daily loss. So, like, if I'm betting on a Saturday, like his max unit bet has to be lower than a daily's amount. Of no, money. no. So, like, if I usually bet, I usually bet, I usually, <laughs> I usually bet two or three games, a, or like a, on a Saturday. I don't really bet Sunday, but I usually bet two or three games Saturday, and that combined will usually be my weekends allowed you know expense so i'll divide i'll so wait have that. a weekly amount more or less yes exactly and then i'll wait certain games so last week i put to like two-thirds of it on texas a&m and then one-third on that lsu georgia lsu florida game so if you run into if you run into a game that you really really like you will just shift your saturday allocation into that one game but what if there are three games that you really really like because that can happen you could have three one weekend and none the next i'll tell you what i do i hope to god there's one that i really love at 12 o'clock because <laughs> i'm usually i can go put a hundred hundred percent of today i know of the allowed expenses of the of the weekend on that at 12 o'clock game and then i'm just playing with house money and then i'm reckless the rest of the weekend yeah because but here's I'm... so here's the problem from <laughs> my point of view is tell me brother tell me I, I always feel like pretty good about the games we agree on or you know it's not like we always talk through it it's i trust mark because he knows more about football obviously than i do um She's more but, my risk manager, if you, yeah. if you will. Yeah, but I also follow football, and I know a decent amount about the sport and, you know, reputations of programs and how they're doing, so it's not like I'm just going in completely blind. Um, it's like, it's fun for me, too. I'm super competitive, but my problem always ends up being is Mark enjoying his Saturday and having some fun and getting, you know, having a few beers with some friends or... Um, watching games at home and him just like us being up two and zero in our bets for the week and him being like, "How do you feel about this? I'm gonna bet the live line. Like I'm gonna double my bet." And that's where I'm like, "No, no, no." Ah, that's the itch, man. That's the itch. <laughs> calm down, calm down. Where the, the A word starts to come out. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I feel like I do a pretty good job buffering. You know, Risk if I feel manager. good, yeah, exactly. One of the all time best gambling stories that I've ever been witness to was was last year. Oh, tailgate? We invited a bunch of people. Tailgate Tennessee? Yes. Yep. We invited a bunch of people over for the Tennessee-Georgia game, and they weren't having fans in stadiums. So it was like very like 10%. So we had everyone over and in our garage, 
And like people are getting wild, right? Like the Tennessee's a two thirty game. People are like super drunk. Like Tennessee, I think was winning at halftime. But it yeah, was they nuts, started right? out people are real strong. So hot, and and like slowly but surely, like Georgia came back and covered and crushed us. And like everyone's down and out, right? And so we're all we're all like on our phones, like drunk, trying to figure out how we're gonna make this money back. And I'm sitting in a chair, like watching the Clemson Miami game, I believe. And I decided to go Clemson. And a lot of people decided to go Clemson. But I look at Mark, who's laying on his back on the ground, like on his phone. And I see him. No, I see him entering in the Clemson bet. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, good. Like we're all on the same line. So I turn to talk to somebody and I turn back and I see the Clemson bet goes through. But then I see him. He has another one up for the Clemson Miami game. And he's entering in Miami for like a lesser amount. So he says he has two sides or he has both sides of the same bet unknowingly. And I'm like, Mark, what are you doing? You just gave up juice. And obviously he wasn't in the spot to spot to discuss the, the, the mathematics behind it. But just total, total, uh, total gambling uh, degenerate move. Yeah, you got to be careful. I think. You, you can really get hyped up, and that's Luke. I know we have uh, your bachelor party go- coming up soon, and uh, bees. Yeah, thanks for coming, bees. Bees, bees can't make it, but I'm I'm scared Someone of that. Have to work on the weekends. <laughs> you're what, you're, Mark? You say you're scared. I yeah, I'm terrified because I am like I know the power of five guys sitting in a circle and everyone's talking up a game and then suddenly everyone just starts like foaming at the mouth like saying how this is a lock there's no way this can lose and the next thing you know everyone's headed to the ticket counter cash in hand like feeling so confident <laughs> and it's just like it's the most dangerous it's the most dangerous thing and it's just based it's on thing. the most ridiculous data and knowledge <laughs> there's peer pressure and then there's peer pressure with gambling with some of your like best friends. And that is something that can't even be put on a scale because it outweighs everything. You can't even begin to identify the amount. No matter how much control you have, you don't have that much control. Because I will say the, the biggest fear is not being part of the group think and everyone going to the counter and betting. The fear is that they all do it and you don't. And then they win and you lose and you don't win anything and, and you're you're left out. Now, and, and not only that, but if they bet it and you don't, you're basically betting against them. So you're like kind of cheering that your no bet works out and they're, you know, that you're like thinking, you know, you're seeing the chessboard. Yeah, it's at these at, when you bet in a group, it's a different dynamic than when you're at home. When I'm at home betting on the computer by myself, it's me versus Vegas. But when I'm betting in a group, I'm trying to prove my – it doesn't matter about dollar amount. It matters about rep. Like, what's your record? You've won three games. So, you know, like, what, you, do, you haven't done anything this trip. You know, that – it becomes a different dynamic. I, I was just going to say, I think it's a great – it's an even better dynamic when your most risk-averse friends, like, hop on board and jump on ship. It's like someone like my brother or some anyone last name Hodan who's obviously going to be a little bit more risk averse we're confident in a bet and everyone's like Patrick's all in I'm all in and I'm doubling down on my bet there is no the best is when that that person then loses a bet because 
Like if, if any of us were to lose a bet and then our friend Patrick loses a bet, if he loses it, the amount of stick that he's going to get is going to be so much more than if we were to lose a bet. I don't know why it works that way. I, maybe because it's, you know, he's more conservative in this aspect of finance, but if you will, but it, it just works out that way. I think that there's no better feeling to me than watching someone gamble for the first time and win, and you see their light, their eyes light up and they're thinking, this is a no-brainer. And then, just as a society, I like to see them crumble. I like to see them hurt <laughs> and lose it, you know? I like to see them at their highest. I like to see them at their lowest. Now you, now you are real. Now you know what it feels like. Or you could be like me and lose it all every single time. You, you want to see them at their low because you've been at your low and you're like, this isn't fair. Exactly. This isn't fair. This is your first bet and you won. Exactly. This is crap. You need to experience what I experience all the time. You know, deep down, you get them, and, and that's what that's what like honestly happens. You get hooked, and eventually the, you come back down to earth. It's I've I've never seen anyone like truly just like have a great experience gambling 100% of the time. You, the best part of gambling, honestly, like going to Vegas and talking about the bachelor party and heading into a football Saturday is the anticipation, right? The, the, the idea that I have all these games lined up and if this, this hits, this hits, this hits, and they should hit because I thought about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be so rich, right? Especially leaving Vegas down $100. You're like, that's oh. a win. That's oh, a win. for sure. $100? <laughs> oh, what a time. <laughs> Oh my god, I would I would I would pay $100 to be down $100. <laughs> I, I I think that um what was I going to say? I think that uh I, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> that's why we this have is a good That's bet why it. we have me to I'll be come back to it. Hold on. I had a sounding good sounding board, so. Well, something Beasley was saying. What was he saying? Are you, you you're gonna blank on that? Do we want to transition into our next segment or our, our picks? Yeah, let's do picks. So let's get into our week eight picks. As always, we're gonna give our likes, we're gonna give our loves, and we are gonna give our locks. Who wants to get us started here? I'll kick us off. And I've got a theme to my likes, loves, and locks this week. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm riding high. I feel like the momentum is about to shift, and I'm just staying with it. And, it, and it's starting to turn around. So the title of my picks this week is, these are the too good to be true picks. We're going to start with a Wednesday night game, number 14, Car- Coastal Carolina at Appalachian State. The line has been moving, but I got it at Coastal Carolina minus four and a half. They're playing in Boone, North Carolina at Appalachian State. And here are my thoughts. Appalachian State just laid a massive egg against Louisiana. App State gives up points. Coastal Carolina Coastal Carolina knows how to put up points. I there's a reason why Coastal Carolina is ranked 14th and App State is unranked. I do not understand the four and a half line, four and a half point line. The other the other tidbit, Appalachian State has beaten Eastern Carolina. Elon, Marshall, and Georgia State. Really nobody. They have one win against a team with a winning record. I think Appalachian State, year to year, still experiences effects from their Michigan win. 
and how they've been thrust into the national spotlight. And when you hear about a Wednesday night football game and you hear Appalachian State, you hear that they should win. But this Coastal Carolina team, as Mike alluded to, the very the second episode is very, very solid. Coastal Carolina is my pick, minus four and a half. I like that pick. It's a good Wednesday action. They're a good team. Your whole thought is good team versus a average to below average team. Good team should win. Could be a trap line, but if it's not, you're going to be very comfortable halfway through the second quarter. I'll go next. My like, Luke, you're going to like this. It's number three, Oklahoma at Kansas. The line in this game is the over under 67 and a half. It's in Lawrence, Kansas, an away game for the Sooners at noon. And here is what I think. OU has figured out their offense enough. At least so you're on last... board. You're on board. I'm not, I'm not on board. Not on board yet. But they figured out their offense enough where they've looked quite good with this new quarterback the last two weeks. Caleb Williams, he he's going to get the boys going. And here, I'll, I'll give my pick early, and I'll give a few more points. I'm going to take the Oklahoma team total over 15, or excuse me, 52 and a half. So as long as OU scores 53 or more, that bet cashes. Kansas is atrocious. They have given up 50 points in like their last five, six games. One of them, again, like I said last week, it was against Duke. And I think we can all agree Oklahoma is better than Duke. But here's something I like. A lot of times in these games, these blowout games, you have a team that comes in, they put up 45 points early, first half, and then they let their foot off the gas. I think if Spencer Rattler comes in as their backup, he's got a point to prove, and he's going to want to put up points too and showcase he's still a really good quarterback. So I think they are going to lay up 60, 60 plus. My pick is Oklahoma team total over 52 and a half. I actually like that rationale a lot. Thank you. I'm starting the, to use my brain, baby. The Rattler rationale. Yep. Mark, what about you? All right, we're up. Our like, team team pick. Excuse yeah. me. Our like of the week is Texas A&M um, minus eleven and a half at halftime versus South Carolina. Mark, you can explain why. This is our rationale. I I think all I needed to see from South South Carolina is a truly terrible team. I truly believe that. But there was nothing more I needed to see than at the end of the game last weekend when their coach it was so happy and jolly and patting everyone on the back after a one, like a last-second field goal against Vandy. What an absolute loser he is. And this is an A&M team that I think has top-tier talent, um, and they are going to run train on South Carolina. Um, and I just don't trust, I don't trust any kind of spread at um, – you know, in the second half, these large point spreads at the end of the second half. So I like the first half. They're definitely going to be up over two, uh, two touchdowns. I think this is a great like for anyone out there. Is it, is it still 12 and a half? I ask because I'm looking at an article that was released five hours ago that their quarterback is out and has to get surgery. So there you go. This would take us. I, I don't know who it, who it puts in place. Like I know in the beginning of the season, they had some grad assistant playing that was I'm sure terrible. Yeah, but if that I I like I'm, this is group think right here. I'm starting to 
I'm gonna have I didn't Oklahoma even know for... that. It doesn't even matter. I don't even care. They are so bad. It, I don't even. I don't care who's playing quarterback for South Carolina. It's they are a terrible team, and their coach is a loser for like enjoying a win against Vandy. This is this is the best lock like of the week. I don't even know what to call this. That's similar to my pick. It's more about the team they're playing than the actual Texas A&M. South Carolina is terrible. Kansas is terrible. Take the team that they're playing. Cross your fingers, as always, and we feel confident about it. I enjoy that. Next up is our loves. I'll get started with this one. Hmm. Oh, Luke, you have two. Why don't you get started? I like two. Two loves. We haven't seen this in a while. I'm feeling hot. This is this is still part of my too good to be true theme. I've got first number sixteen Wake Forest at Army. The line is Wake Forest minus three and a half. They're playing in West Point, New York. It's eleven. It's a twelve p.m. Eastern time kickoff. And the rationale is this Wake Forest team is very very solid on offense. Very, they're undefeated, first of all, right? Like it take it takes something to be undefeated. The second piece is Army has stumbled hey, hey, in their careful, last two. Be careful, be careful talking they about have, my team. They have stumbled in their last two games, losing to, at Ball State and at Wisconsin. The Wisconsin game was only 6 points, but as we all know, the Wisconsin this Wisconsin team is pretty bad. When I see lines like this, I immediately go, you know, type in Wake Forest injury report, like looking for their quarterback to be injured or running back or head coach to have COVID, like something, right? But this this just feels like the line is off. Like Wake Forest is going to go in and win like 40 to 14. So my pick is Wake Forest minus three and a half. And then the other love I have is number 18, NC State at Miami. The line is NC State minus three. They're playing in Miami Gardens, Florida. This is a night game, 7.30 Eastern time kickoff. And look, NC State has one loss against Mississippi State. And it's in my opinion that this Mississippi State team with Mike Leach can occasionally like open up their offense and get super hot. NC State is actually a very, very solid team. They beat Clemson, which, like, I understand it. Clemson's not the Clemson of old, but it's still solid. And NC State is still in the battle for, like, this is the one year that it's not clear Clemson is going to win the ACC. You have NC State, you have Wake Forest in it. Like, this team is playing for something to, you know, playing for a title potentially, or at least contention. I think this one's also going to be a 20-point game, NC State minus three. 20-point game? Oh, my goodness. Why don't you take an alternate line or something? My goodness. Okay, I'm confident. I'm not that confident. It's not your lock. Exactly. All right. All right, we'll see how those goes. I've got oh, wait, we're up, right? two, Cincinnati. We got, wait, have you done your lock? Go ahead. No, dude, go ahead. Hey, they're totally going to get lost in the snake. No, <laughs> hey, There's hey, no chance. No, dude, wait, you've already done your love, No. No. It's your show. Go ahead, pal. He Dude, hasn't done I need to. Well. I need to not drop the wine before I get on this podcast. I thought it'll loosen me up, but it's. Uh, I'm obviously. I'm not very good at this when I'm loose. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go ahead with my love, which I have not given yet, but I'm about to. I've got number two, Cincinnati at Navy. This line is 
minus 27 and a half for Cincinnati. It's an away game in Annapolis, Maryland, a noon kickoff. And here's the deal. Cincy, they're rolling. They are smashing teams. They have something to prove this year. They need to win big to meet this eye test that the committee uses. Navy isn't great. They're one in five. It's it's as simple as this. If Cincinnati figures out how to defend the triple option, the game's going to be over by halftime. Don't, don't overthink it. They're on a mission this year. They're trying to win by 40 points every game. Cincinnati minus 27 and a half. Okay, Mark, it's finally our turn to give our love. But um, <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. It's uh, Notre Dame minus seven over USC. And I, I guess I can give a little bit of reasoning here. But uh, <laughs> USC has been trash over the last few years, so Mark thinks that's a lock. Also, I should have brought this up earlier in the podcast, but I do think for those couples who are going through their picks for the week, it is very important to explain to your fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, whoever is the one not betting, what the all the lines mean, whether it's like just, you know, classic betting jargon. It makes it so much more enjoyable when you know what's going on. So that being said, okay. Okay, you can give the reasoning. It's a great point. It's a great point. Brian Kelly, this is where he keeps his job. He doesn't keep his job by actually competing for national championships. He keeps his job by peripherally, you know, competing and looking like a very contentious team without being an actually contentious team. And I think that this is a this is a really important game. When you start losing to 3 and 3 USC, you know, I think people start questioning you know not after just one game but I think he understands the importance of this game I think Notre Dame's a better coach team than USC they probably have more talent I don't think this is something they're going to nod off on you know it's a home game everyone's gonna it's probably the best remaining home game they have on their schedule um I just students are back from fall break huh the students are back from fall break. Go. They're, they're, antsy go. Wa- they're antsy to watch a home game against a rival. Yeah, I don't know how you know that. Close the yearbook, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think this is. I think this. I think you're right, though. I think this is. Students get up for this game because they know they think USC perennial powerhouse, and we beat them. All right, we belong with the big boys. Everyone gets up for this game. I think Notre Dame's going to bring it. They're not a bad team. And they're going to take it seriously. I like it. Let's move on to locks. What do you got, Luke? So for my lock, number eight, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. The line is Iowa State minus seven. They're playing in Ames, Iowa. It's a 3.30 kickoff. And when I saw this line, I texted multiple people asking, are you seeing the same line or is my is my phone messed up? You have undefeated looking good Oklahoma State and as Beasler mentioned earlier this is not the same Oklahoma State team that's gonna score 50 points give up 40 points it's a it's a well-balanced team and I just if someone can please explain to me how if how they're seven point underdogs going into Iowa State that means home field advantage is what four three four points does that does that mean if they go to if they were playing in Oklahoma State that Iowa State would still be favored? Like I don't understand. Iowa State has done better in their last two games. They blew out Kansas. So in their last three games, lost at Baylor, blew out Kansas, 
and beat Kansas State by 13 points. But, like, I don't understand. I looked, no injuries. Why is this line seven points? It seems egregious. It's a, it's part of the too-good-to-be-true uh, picks for this week. So I'm taking Oklahoma State plus seven. Yeah, that's your theme. And it's pretty much every one of your games is what we call a trap line, which is what you've said, a too-good-to-be-true. What There's something that I can't see. And sometimes they are too good to be true, and you'll comfortably win win that bet. And other times, there's things that you clearly didn't see, and they bite you bite you in the the backside. But we we are on a little bit of a roll, so I I'm gonna say again, I like the pick. Why why wouldn't you like the pick? My lock is number four Alabama versus Tennessee. This game's in Tuscaloosa. The line is minus twenty four and a half. It's at seven. It's a night game. <clears throat> I'm going to turn it over to you here, Luke. Change it up a little bit. Why do you think this is such a great pick? I do think this is a good pick. I can't bet against Tennessee just from an emotional standpoint. But look, we started with Joe Milton, that quarterback, to start the year. He lost his job within the first one and a half, two games. Hendon Hooker played the rest, and that's when Tennessee's offense really started turning around. He's hurt. And, but he's not out, right? He's like day to day. But in, it's in my opinion, if he's hurt, if anyone is even questionably hurt, not 100%, you do not play them in this game. That's Hooker. That's our best running back. That's like two of our best, three of our best offensive linemen. Anyone on defense. I think Heupel might call call off the dogs in this game and just say, look, like we play Bama this week. We'll keep our starters rested. We have a bye week, then we play Kentucky, and they have that Kentucky game circled. Get healthy for that game. I think, and I agree with your Bama, your Bama logic too. Nick Saban is looking to steamroll teams, and Tennessee is just the next team in its path. Yeah, and I think this Tennessee team, while you just said they're banged up physically, I think that game last week against Ole Miss took a toll on them emotionally. That was a huge game to win. They lost a close one. I, I just don't think, I think they're running on fumes right now. And I think Bama is playing with, while Tennessee is running on fumes, Bama's got a fire. And they are, they are trying to make a case to get back into the college football playoff. That's why I've got Bama minus 24 and a half. Yeah, I don't. What about I, you, Mark? I, I, I'll Bridget? just, I'll, quick comment on Tennessee. I agree. I think uh, I would never take this game for Tennessee. I think it's not, I, I don't know how many spreads I've seen of this, like, low 20s like Alabama minus low 20s against Tennessee and it just it must be like I feel like the last five years has been like that and they blow it out but I can't and I know it's a good bet but hell I'm not gonna take that you know I don't hedge happiness come on all right bridge give it to him our lock of the week is Oklahoma minus nine and a half um first quarter versus Kansas and this is why I don't, I don't keep up with you know the ins and outs. I'm not on the Oklahoma message boards. I have no idea who's playing quarterback in that first quarter, but it doesn't matter because I think that whoever comes out, it's going to be, it's a career defining game for them for that quarterback. They're going to take this game against one of the worst teams in college football so seriously in that first quarter because their job depends on it. I think this Oklahoma offense will be. 
at its peak in this first quarter against this Kansas team. And you're going to see laser focus out of that quarterback. You're not going to see Rattler um, messing around. Uh, I just don't think I, – I think, I think Beasler's bet earlier is a, is, a, is a great bet. I think this Oklahoma-Kansas game, if you think – if you take into consider the, the dynamics of the roster, I think that some of these bets start to make a lot more sense. Uh, and I don't know. I question – I always wonder, like, does Vegas take that into consideration? You know, I always picture Vegas as a bunch of experts in a computer, but I think if you've got to take into this behavior aspect into it as well – because I think it plays a role here. Kansas is not a good football team. In fact, that's being like the that's probably the nicest thing anybody's ever said about this Kansas football I team in the last I'm five not, years. They're not a good football. I didn't say they're a good football team. They're terrible. No, no, I'm saying when I say they're not a good football team, that's a nice thing to say. They're so, so terrible. So terrible. That nine and a half seems so achievable. The only thing that gets tricky with first quarter is, you know, who gets the ball first. If Oklahoma gets the ball first, they should hit that no problem. I still think, though, even if they don't, they could still put up seven. That quarter could be 17-7, depending on how quick they score. I, I Again, I just anytime I'm betting against Kansas, I like the side that I'm on, no matter who they're playing, because they're okay. that bad of a football team. I'm tapping, tapping into our analytics team. The last four games... That Kansas has played in the fourth in the first quarter, they have scored, I believe, three points, and that's like the concern with this, right? It's not that Oklahoma won't score; it's that Kansas might do something silly. But another stat you'll like is that when they played Iowa State, Iowa State was up twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter. So, yeah, they've given up fifty points. I swear, they're they're terrible. What time? N- n- there's not one aspect of their team that is good. What time is this game? I hope I can roll all my bankroll onto it. I hope it's light. It's a it's a twelve it's a twelve oh, p.m. game. It's the worst. You don't want your lock to be at twelve, damn it. It's the worst. But that that goes against your thought where you want your your best game to be early. You so also you can maybe add a few. That's the beauty of it. There's strengths to both. You want you want to roll everything over. If you're like and you love it, oh baby, we got an interesting night ahead of us on that lock. Let me tell you what. Fair enough, fair enough. That makes sense too. It's all there's it's always a seesaw, right? There's pros and cons to however you look at it. So that's our week eight or week seven, week eight picks, episode eight. Jeez, I don't know. This we we're not very good at keeping track here, are we, Luke? Not it's episode eight. Episode eight, week seven. Thank you. I appreciate I don't think that. that's right either. I think it's I don't know. <laughs> I think you're it's right. Week, it's think week it's, eight. It's I week do, eight episode do, eight. Yeah, it's week eight. I do check ESPN quite frequently, thanks to uh, Mark. So, thank oh, you. Oh, it is Mark. week eight. Nicely done. <laughs> thank you, Bridget. Send in your resume. You might easily get the analytics team. Analytics team. <laughs> you're you're in the short list for sure. Regardless, those are our picks. Now for the most contentious part of every show, we've got our snake draft of best movies before we get into this i think it's clear that i'm head and shoulders above you at this luke it's completely unclear you're basing this off of one one week of polling 
when your sample is is an awful sample. It's Halloween candy, I, Luke. That was embarrassing. I cannot believe Beasler chose all chocolate for Halloween candy. Oh and, my gosh! But the worst performance by far was our father. His 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 fast food. <laughs> oh my god! But I think that if you pulled every Arab, they would give you also weird ass answers for like favorite fast food. They might, but it. I think it runs in the family. Some of these poor picks. Regardless, last week we pulled it on Instagram. Luke pulled it on his followers. I pulled it on mine, and I ended up winning both of them. And I, I'm, a, I'm not. I don't like to base it on opinions. I'm a stat guy. I like to go off of numbers, and the numbers were in my favor. So hopefully we can do something like this again this week. We have four people with Bridget on the show as well participating. So this could get interesting. We'll keep it to three picks here. How do we want to decide the order here? Let's get uh, ladies first. Why don't you decide the order? Um, you know what a snake draft is? Yeah, I know. What it's is where it? you go one after right. the other and then everyone Only else. Only mansplain yeah. to you. <laughs> okay. Thanks. That's what we don't need on this show. Come on. Uh, I did just get the week Stop right. Stop mansplaining. I just, just did get the week right, right? We're on week eight, folks. All of you were wrong. Anyway, okay. I'll start, obviously. And then we will go to... Beasler, and then we will go to Mark then Luke. And that is only because I think Luke and Mark might choose all the same movies, and I'd like it to be interesting. My first movie pick is Goodwill Hunting. Solid choice. You can't go wrong with that. That's a classic. I think that would be on everybody's short list if you haven't seen it classic i think yeah i think you're just playing to the audience there i think i'm not playing to the audience that's been my whatever favorite she's playing to the for... quick twitter crowd no i'm not i know, I know. all right my other ones let's are move more on original. that's fine okay. let's go let's just move on yeah i think it's a good pick so i have a clear number one but i don't think you guys are going to take it so i'm gonna play the odds here and play to the strength of my draft i'm going to go with shawshank redemption it's a, it's a little older bit of a movie, but it's a it's a classic. <laughs> I think right now, if we took these two people's movies and we we looked up on IMDb, it would be one and two. Oh, no, I, no, mine wasn't on the top. <laughs> I googled this because I'm not like an avid movie watcher, but Goodwill Hunting was not even in, listed in the top 100 greatest of all Whatever. time. So, all right, am I up? Yes. I just do you do you not enjoy those movies? I it's do. Not, I'm not know? a hipster, but I just think oh, like okay. <laughs> whatever. I, I think they're solid picks. Let's we'll, we'll keep going because you're up now. So All right. this is I'm I thought this was going. Yeah, here. this is a this is I think an easy pick. Uh, it might not be my favorite, but I want it off the board. Um, and that's Inglorious Bastards. I just I don't know. I mean, there's some movies when you turn them on. I don't care how many times you've seen them, you can't turn it off, and that's one of them. It's it's it's. Good film. I think it's. By far the best really good movie. Film. So really that, original, Mark. The, that totally what, would not have been on the top 100 greatest movies of all time. In fact, it actually was, and mine wasn't. So, what's the um? What's that guy's name? Christopher Bear Jew. Yeah, he's phenomenal. <laughs> he's phenomenal. I like Christoph Waltz. So, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Is who you're looking yeah. for? Yeah, I knew. It, I knew it wasn't Waltz? that. It might be pronounced Bear Jew in German or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I knew it wasn't that for Anthony sure. Anthony Margheriti. Christoph. 
the the rails are off and we're not even through the second round yet. <laughs> first round. All right. I had I had four like that I was really hoping to get and three of them are still available. So with the fourth Bridget, you took you took one of them. With the fourth overall pick, I'm taking the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I think it's on my that list. is that is the greatest acting ever from Heath Ledger as a Joker. Agreed. And 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 you can't combat that because it wouldn't be good for the podcast. <laughs> He's and, phenomenal. That was on my list. And then second sec or a fifth pick is Interstellar. This is also my favorite movie ever, um, but also a very, very good, objectively a good movie. Good picks. I don't know. I mean, I got criticism, but I'll keep it to myself. Um, I'm up next uh, for my second movie. We get three, right? Yep. All right. Second movie. This is a tapping into my Italiano side, even though oh, I let me know. guess, it's The Godfather. Nah, Goodfellas. Oh my gosh, oh. Goodfellas. You can't watch this movie and not want to be in the mob. Uh, it just gives you that feeling, you know, the Tony Soprano vibe, like, I need to be in the mob. I could kill someone. It's great. I think it's a great movie. Um, that's, that's from my mafia genre. I think it's better than Godfather, for sure. All right, solid, solid. My next pick is going to be a pick that I don't think Bridget will choose. I'm hoping she doesn't choose it. Otherwise, I'm in a really big pickle here. I'm going to go with Law Abiding Citizen. Gerard Butler. That's that's a thriller with an absolute twist at the end. And it's just it's got a little bit of everything. So I'm going to go with that for my second pick. Love it. Okay, so my second pick is something none of you are going to choose and i don't want any judgment around my next few answers but the parent trap is my next and not only because i am called meredith blake multiple times throughout (laughs) the year but i think that is a great movie and it never fails to make me laugh and I'm, I've only... I like it. You're sticking to your list. I like that. Yeah. You're not pandering like Mark Mark thinks you are. <laughs> exactly. I like Stick to your and guns. I think, so for those who don't know, I get called Meredith Blake by Mark and Luke quite a few times because, not because I don't like nature, not because I don't like the outdoors, but because bugs love me. Anyway. Anyway, for all our listeners out there, this is what Bridget sounds like when she's a little tipsy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right. Moving on, Bridget says. <laughs> oh, and then my next and final pick is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm really playing to this whole um, girly theme, I guess, with my last two picks, but I think that is one of the best rom-coms, and I love Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, a lot of girls like him. He's <laughs> he's good at his job for a reason. Produces good films. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure I didn't get any off of your list, but I hope the female listeners appreciate mine. I love Beasler's commentary. Yep, a lot of girls like him. <laughs> what can I say? No, I mean, I'll, I'll say I think there is for sure better critically acclaimed films out there. Yeah, I mean, there would be if you Google uh, top 100 movies, which, which my first one was not on. <laughs> 
but no that's why i like your list though they're your favorite movies and that's what the snake draft is all about you choose your favorite movies which brings me to my last pick and i get a lot of stick for this but it's it's this is probably my number one and it's avatar everything about it love it boo boo yeah, boo see, boo exactly avatar is only it, avatar is only good if you have the the goggles in the theater after that it's like it's not nearly the same experience it's like a one-time thing and it's and not only that but they ripped off pocahontas like it's the pocahontas story 200 years later whatever yeah yeah no i've heard i've seen all the 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 critics say that as well but you know it's a there's a reason it's one of the number one grossing movies all of all time inflation included but go ahead i'm not up anymore that was my pick that's my list i stand by it He's really trying to get off this Avatar pick. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> uh, all right, my last pick, also going in the rom-com direction, uh, like Bridget. Um, all-time favorite rom-com, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, man. I, I mean, just, just line just after because... line is like, I feel like I quote this movie on the regular. It's I feel like everyone else does, too. It is one of the best movies, I think very underrated. Um, you don't see it on TV very often. Uh, Definitely, I think, maybe at the top of my list, but I knew no one would take it thus far. Also, Mark relates to this movie because... Um, I mean, I'll just know. Go ahead. All right. All right. One. So I'm I'm conflicted between, in my last two picks... You only have one more, brother. But I'm, or my last... Oh, shoot, shoot. Lost, lost in this thing. My last pick, my last pick's going to be Shrek. I think Shrek is... Has maybe one of the best... Um, soundtracks ever and it is it is funny no matter like this is like the sign of a good a good funny movie is that it gets like little kids laughing because there's like some like dumb straightforward humor and then it's also like very very adult funny humor so shrek closing out the draft i like the shrek one can we do honorable mention i got i got i feel like i got some in my Let's before we get into honor. I'm not done. I'm not done. I just needed some time. He's making no, this. A He's Shrek. making a whole thing of it. He's Shrek. <laughs> this is what he does. He tries to like make a thing of it. Like Shrek is like some like awful pick. It's a decent pick, but it's not even the best like Pixar. I will say, yeah, movie. Dude, if you ask, if you ask how many times you've watched Shrek, I no, it would probably King's be better so than fu- Shrek. Oh, sorry, Shrek but what, is so what I'm fun. saying, I will give Luke that. I I'm, agree. I disagree. I think Shrek is a pandering pick it's one of those picks where luke wants to see the crowd say be like oh interesting i it is shrek shrek stands out i want to I, I i agree with luke i don't i didn't, i'm not buying it i like shrek but you didn't like it enough to put it in your top three probably not even your top 10 if we're being honest everybody likes shrek everybody likes shrek but to put it in your top three of all time is egregious Beasler. I'm willing to bet that the majority of people that have seen Avatar have only seen it one time, and that was in theaters. I'm willing to bet a, a ridiculous amount of money on that. Complete shit pick. It is garbage. No, I agree. He's he is acting like a like he's some like movie connoisseur by coming at Shrek when he picked Avatar. Avatar was Avatar was eye candy, and and you ate yeah, it up. I, I, I don't know what you I agree to with say. you there, brother. I, I, I myself and. And billions of other dollars ate it up as well, I guess. But Same with the Shrek franchise. There's, like, millennials who have Shrek-themed parties nowadays. 
It's like a big thing for Beesler said Shawshank and and Avatar. This guy is a corporate sellout. <laughs> corporate sellout. All right, that sounds like me. You guys are the one working in, you know, <laughs> hours a week. Come back. Hey, he's a, he, he, <laughs> really hit me where it hurts. Actually, that did hurt. I do want to work less. <laughs> All right, give me your honorable mention, and then we'll wrap up. Star Wars Episode One honorable mention. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry. What do you mean, Episode One? The one, with, the one with Darth Maul. What? I, I, what, what, what part of this are you going to have a problem with? I'm very Everything. Curious. You can't put any of the first three in the top movies of all time. I'm not, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it. It's your honorable mention. Thank goodness you did not say that for your real top three. Oh my goodness. That's so bad. I, and give me, give me some rationale instead of just saying it's so if, bad. If you take a Star Wars movie, you take the fifth movie, The Empire Strikes Back. No, you take you would take one, and then you would take Return of the Jedi. No, okay. At least we're getting at least some. Empire Strikes the right Back, track. the snow one. Like what? It's like the one that people forget about. All right, I'm gonna leave it at that. That is horrible. You're gonna have Star Wars like our 40 listeners that we have. If there are any true Star Wars fans, they are going to eat you alive with that pick. Oh God! Now you're a Star Wars purist. Like, give me a break. I do like Star Wars, and that's that's really bad. Mark, you said you, I, I'm get, let me get 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 me off of this one because that is terrible. Mark, give me something better. Rush Hour. Oh man, that is another movie I could watch, and it is Rush Hour. What's wrong with Rush Hour? What is you that guys, culturally insensitive to? What are you guys talking about? This is your Avatar. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Rush Hour, man. This is ridiculous. Beasler does not have a pulse on the nation as it. Yeah, he he's been in Utah too long. That's that's rude, <laughs> first of all. And second of all, I win these almost every week. Those two picks are unbelievably poor. Batman was on my list. Don't I say really, my list. Give me your honorable mention. I, I don't have any more honorable mentions. I'm not going to put something that doesn't deserve to be an honorable mention Anyways, that's that's a gosh, good. That's another snake draft that has just completely gone off the rails. Very contentious. Anyways, that's gonna do it for episode eight. Mark and Bridget, we appreciate you guys coming on, spending some time talking about relationships, how to kind of navigate gambling within a relationship. I think that will be very um, informative to a lot of people that are going through the same thing. But yeah, that's gonna be the wrap up to episode eight thank you everybody for listening thanks guys for having us